Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And today we are having a conversation with one of my favorite guests. Um, he is also one of my teachers. His name is Franz Stina. And he recently published a new book called The Way of Reiki, The Inner Teachings of Macau Yasui. So this is what we will be discussing today. Um, with that, I wanted to remind you all as well that the Reiki Rays Global Healing Summit is going to start officially on November 11th. And in that summit, there are over 30 interviews. I was invited to co-host with Andrea Kennedy, who's also a Reiki teacher and practitioner. And um, we each interviewed over 15 people. And it was uh, just amazing to be able to have conversations with Reiki teachers, practitioners, um, authors globally. Uh, there's a lot that you'll learn through the summit that can support your practice. Um, it's always nice getting to learn from different points of view, different perspectives, different tips and tools for practicing all of these things. So the Reiki Rays Healing Summit will begin on the 11th officially. And if you would like to register for the event, just go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com, and you can sign up for free. When you register for free, you get access to four interviews right away. And then um, you can watch the interviews for free on the days that they launch. However, you can only watch them on the days that they launch over a six-day period. If you want exclusive access, you can watch at any time all of the content, then you can get a ticket. So either way, just click on the Reiki Rays Global Healing Summit event on my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. And in that event, I also got to have a, another conversation with Franz um, about the way of Reiki. So today, the reason I one, um, really appreciate Franz as a teacher is because when I first started on the path of Reiki, I did uh, study with several different teachers before I really understood what the practice was revealing to me. So I have two teachers that really opened that window for me and helped me to understand in deeper ways and have supported my path from that respect tremendously. And one of them, again, is Franz. Um, my other teacher is Frank Arjava Petter. And both of them um, research Reiki and um, are very dedicated to their practices respectfully. With Franz, uh, he has studied and trained with um, different teachers as well. Um, he has studied with teachers um, in different lineages and really had this quest to understand and to investigate what it was that uh, Yusui Sensei may have even learned, practiced, and studied. And he does a great job in his books of simplifying and clarifying for us what Reiki is actually pointing to and what the system of Reiki is about. Again, all in an effort to help us on our journey. And of his books, this one <laughs> lays it out so systematically. It's very clear. You will learn about what Reiki in of itself is pointing to 
what the practice is helping you to reveal and understand. He also goes through the different elements of the practice, like the precepts, the symbols, um, the meditations that are taught within the system of Reiki, what hands-on, hands-off healing is about, and even the Reiju process, which would be the attunement process. Franz also points out in the book very practical ways for you to apply the different um, tools within the system to support you in your own practice. And he ends it all with even sharing very clear guidance and support for those who want to teach and share Reiki in that way. So the book again is called The Way of Reiki, The Inner Teachings of Macau Yusui. You can get your copy on Amazon. I was uh, very fortunate and it was an honor for me um, to be able to read the book before it was actually published. And Franz asked some of us to write what we thought of the book and he included it in the book. So I just wanna say thank you to Franz for um, allowing me the opportunity to do that. It was my absolute pleasure. You know that I love your work and now all of you can experience a taste of it as well. And if you wanna learn more about Franz and his work, you can visit his website, ihreiki.com, which stands for International House of Reiki. Uh, Franz is the co-founder of International House of Reiki and he travels to teach Reiki globally. So if you are interested in his classes, check the schedule and see if he will be coming to an area where you live sometime soon or next year, actually. Um, also, he provides online courses that you can join and he has an upcoming 21 day meditation challenge as well as a nine hour course online that is a companion to the book. So you can learn all of that through his website. And that's it for now. Enjoy the interview. I will see you on the other side. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. Today we are with my teacher, Franz Dina, and we're going to talk about his latest book, The Way of Reiki which has become one of my favorite books. So Franz, I wanna first of all, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. Oh, welcome. I mean, it's so great, you know, I always love talking to you and uh, I was saying to someone today, you always ask a really good question. So I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, well, you know, I always, I have a million questions for you. And I have to say, um, first, before we get into the book, I just want to tell you how thankful I am that, you know, now after a few years of being away, you recently were in the United States and I got to sit with you for what, like four or five days um, in Los Angeles. So I want to thank you for the, even the work that you do as a teacher. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because even in this realm and with the system of Reiki, a lot of people think like, oh, I take master level and then I'm just done. And there yeah. seems to be a lot of, you know, projection on working on others, holding space for others where our personal practice may fall away. So with you, could you talk a little bit about your personal practice and how you even continue to work with your own teachers? 
Yeah, I think it's so important to have our own personal practice and to keep going. And that is not just hands-on healing. I think, you know, when we talk about the system of Reiki, most of the time, the first thing we think about, oh, is hands-on healing. And then, and don't get me wrong, then, you know, we do hands-on healing and we fall asleep and we say, oh, yeah, it is a really good session. No, you were sleeping, right? <laughs> you were not doing hands-on healing. And, and therefore, we have to be really honest to ourselves. What are we actually doing? You know, if I put my hands on myself and I fall asleep, I'm not doing healing. I'm sleeping. Right. right? Yeah. So it's uh, very important that we investigate. And therefore, as you also noticed in the class, for me, teaching is not just teaching a practice or when we even practice together, say we do some chanting or we do some meditation practice, then at the same time, there is also the underlying element that the teacher, as much as the teacher can at that moment in time, enters that space of interconnectedness, oneness, non-duality as much as possible, that hopefully through that, through the person, the student practicing, the teacher entering that space at the same time, there can hopefully be for the student a direct experience of what we're talking about within the system of Reiki. And when we have this direct experience, when we can really, really taste it, then it becomes really real for the student. The student can really feel this. And I can really see that it is a very important element in my classes and the retreats. And to be able to do this, we need to make sure that as a teacher, we sit uh, on our butt and really do the practice. So this is one of the reasons uh, I always ask if I start to work with another teacher for myself, what is your teacher or who is your teacher? Are you still training with other people? And if that person says no, then I walk away because we need to make sure that we stay on track, that we do the practice and that there isn't certain responsibility for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So many things. Um, one, with the direct experience, that's one of the things I love about you and having you as a teacher. I think it's so important. And in fact, you know, I'm curious about this with you as well, because I first met you um, when you had just written the book, The Inner Heart of Reiki. Yeah. And as you know, I was blown away because at that time I had studied with several different Reiki teachers, but I, I was having a different direct experience. So yeah. I was practicing and what I was experiencing wasn't at all spoken about in the classes. And so when I read your book and I thought like, wow, he's talking about what it is I'm experiencing. So maybe Reiki is other than what I thought, because I even went through a period where I thought maybe I'm not doing Reiki right, or I'm not practicing this right, because what I'm experiencing, no one is saying or sharing. Yeah. So I was curious about that with you and your path. When you first came into the practice and study, was it your own direct experience that caused you to go deeper into investigation? Or did you yeah, think definitely. it was something different at first? What was that like for you? Well, I, when I first started to practice uh, the system of Reiki, I also had very specific experiences and I started to relate them to a Buddhist friend of mine. And he said, I, what are you practicing, Franz? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, what, what you're experiencing is very specific. 
in his tradition, what my teachers as Buddhist teachers look for. And so I got like, well, I don't know, he's Reiki, it comes from Japan. And so therefore I started to investigate. And then when I went to Japan and started to train with Japanese teachers, and don't get me wrong, it was wonderful, but it wasn't still what I was experiencing and looking for. I felt there were still things missing, you know, and uh, I think when we go deeper and deeper in our own practice and not just with hands-on healing, but really with those kind of meditation practices traditionally taught within the system of Reiki, really internalizing the symbols and mantras, then we come across very specific experiences. And I hear this a lot, Yolanda, that people say, oh, I, I have these experiences through my own personal practice. And most of the time, these are already people who do some form of spirituality, yoga, tai chi, qigong, Buddhist, Christian, doesn't matter, but they feel that it is much more internal. And then they say, well, but not many teachers talk about it or not many teachers explain about it. And then they come across one of my books and say, oh, this is really, as you said, this is really what I'm experiencing. And why is this not taught in a wider concept and i think that is because and again don't get me wrong but for a lot of time we practice superficially we go to bed we do hands-on healing we fall asleep and then we say to ourselves that we've done hands-on healing you know and and that is not really the case you know if we look again at very old teachings of mikasui then hands-on healing was done sitting in sesa being very consciously aware and not being distracted it was a mindfulness practice you know, and being mindful of what is happening with our mind. And therefore, if we know what is happening with our mind, we know what is happening with our energy. We cannot just say, just surrender. You know, I hear this a lot. Oh, just surrender. But what does that mean? You know, we have to investigate. If I just say in my mind, just surrender is not enough, right? Is just say to myself, just be peaceful, just embody the precepts. We know is not working like that. Again, we have to be brutally honest to ourselves. Oh, just be the precepts. And then we have no more anger, no more worry, no more fear. We all know <laughs> that doesn't work that way, right? Else the world would be in a very different place. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of too how, you know, I think just even culturally, like we want this quick fix and we just want, you know, I, I read the book, I went to the class, and then all of a sudden, I'm supposed to be in this state of, you know, like, I'm, I always joke about being the baby Buddha, but it is work, you know, and um, how much it really relies on our willingness to show up and um, apply, 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 which again, I'm so thankful, I just have to say to have you as a teacher in that way. So when I got to I was very fortunate to be able to read The Way of Reiki before it was even put out. And I saw the um, the uh, pieces that we all got to put about what we thought about the book. Um, so thankful uh, for asking me and allowing me to do that. But this book, when I read it, I thought like, well, here it is, especially for well, really, I think all practitioners, because I think there is a lot of confusion. This is the thing where it's interesting to me, because on one hand, I'm like, gosh, it seems to be so much confusion around the system of Reiki. And if there was more information, like what you provide in the book, 
then we could all be directed in a way that it would be more beneficial for us, these practices, right? But then there's also the side where I understand no matter how we come into the practice, even if we aren't given all the information, if we're still diligent and show up, we're going to have these experiences that you speak of. But fortunately for everyone, you wrote this book. (laughs) So I just want to say, I mean, it gives not just the breakdown of the system itself, you provide like the practical ways of understanding the different elements of Reiki, of applying and practicing. You even end the book with talking about how to teach. It's like this practical guide from start to finish, like coming into Reiki, working with it through your own practice, and then how to share with others. So this may sound obvious. I mean, this is like the perfect book, but what inspired you to write this, especially after the other books that you had written? Well, for me, it it was almost a progression, you know, and I see, again, when we start to really practice, there will be a change. There has to be a change. A, there has to be a change in the way you teach. There has to be a change in the way you practice. It's the same thing. If I learn how to do cooking, there there needs to be a change, right? Mm -hmm. In how I first started cooking, then if I progress again and again and again, it's the same if I play with a music instrument, there has to be a change, right? From the first moment that when I started to practice till maybe after two, three, four, or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years of practice, there will be a change if you practice. If there's no change, it means a few things. You haven't practicing. Oh, you're not practicing correctly, right? And then we have to investigate how do we practice then correctly to facilitate this change. So, yeah, I I could really feel in the last few years after I've written the first two books, uh, The Inner Heart of Reiki and Reiki Insights, that there was uh, more change within me. Like I could really feel big changes, and particularly because I started to train since 2012 with a Japanese priest, And that really, again, triggered a lot of uh, inner change and how I started to look at the system of Reiki in a much more deeper way. And that came to fruition then that I got like, I really need to, for first for my own clarity, to write this down. So I'm not writing to say, and I'm going to write a book for other people. I first do it for myself so that I'm clearer in my head to be a better teacher. And then I look at it and go like, wow, actually, this is a great, <laughs> this is a great book. Maybe other people can uh, benefit from it. And, yeah. and that's how it kind of evolves. But yeah. But well, even now, you know, like <laughs> I just saw you in LA, right? And I just came back from a, a month of teaching tour. And even now I'm in the last three weeks, I feel there is, again, is a big change. Some, I read two phrases in a book and it just has blown me away, you know, how, because I think when we're ready, also when we're practicing, then little things can be our teacher, little triggers can be our teacher. And I'm reading these two sentences in this book and my mind is just at the moment just going, okay, wow, what what does that mean in my teachings? How can I really facilitate that even more than within myself and in other people? And Ultimately, it comes back all to 
being a better human being, that we can lead a life without anger, without worry, being grateful, being true to our way in our being and being compassionate, because that's the most important thing Mikasu was really pointing out. Yeah, and that's the beauty of this book as well. Actually, I mean, it really, it permeates through all of your teachings. I think it brings us back to the simplicity of the practice, which, you know, a lot of complications come in, partially because we're trying to do this thing of what we think we're supposed to be doing, or we think, again, maybe a lot of attention on, I'm supposed to heal someone else, or I'm supposed to get this result of working on someone else. And then we come across (laughs) through direct experience, but I, I just, I feel like I have to put emphasis on this. It's so important to have a teacher that really does the work and can help you understand some of that direct experience that you're having. Um, One, because it helps us not to shy away from our practice. And again, not thinking that we're doing things wrong, but I think also it helps encourage us to go deeper and to be more investigative with what it is that we're doing on a personal level. So that's why I always rave about you as a teacher and why I explain to people when they're like, why are you doing Shimp and Din again? Like you've done it before a million times. Yes. And I'm going to go every year. He shows up. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because even you as a teacher, and I told you this in class, I could see even how you have expanded. And so the class in of itself was very different in a lot yeah. of ways. But so getting back to, you know, the simplicity of the practice and what Reiki is really pointing to. That's what I really wanted to talk to you about today, because I think it's a, a, hopefully it's one of these conversations that will expand in the community as a whole. Right. And in your class, there is a lot of focus on, and we do a lot of practices that have nothing to do with hands on hands off. Yeah. I just want to, you know, okay. So from your lens, what is it that you hope to help us connect with or hope that we may experience from the chanting, from the meditation and the direction of mind that you guide mm-hmm. us through so beautifully? Well, I mean, you know, like, of course, hands on healing in a way we can say is very easy. We put the hands on mm-hmm. someone and then voila. But of course, it's not that way, right? It's not that way at all. Uh, So for me, I I was very fortunate to have met what I call real masters in my travels when I lived in India, when I went to Japan, when I worked with Chinese teachers, uh, when they would place their hands on or near me whole different ball game their their mind how it would trigger your mind your energy your body beyond almost magically and i go like wow what what is so different with that right and all of them had a very dedicated meditation practice and therefore their hands-on healing or the way they work with their hands was very very different and that was in initially a trigger for me to investigate, you know, my own personal practice. So yes, if we focus just on hands-on healing is great, but and it can be a nice entrance point, but we should never forget that 
the essence beyond the hands-on healing is not the hands, it's a state of mind, you know, and this we can clearly see within the precepts, uh, clearly see within the symbols and mantras, clearly see within the meditation practices as taught in the more traditional systems in Japan, because energy follows the mind. So therefore, is uh, essential that through these practices that we can have this clear, direct experience that we realize, hang on, if I'm distracted, my energy is distracted and therefore my healing is distracted. If I do hands-on healing on myself and I'm asleep, I might be dreaming that I'm being chased by a tiger, then my energy is also distracted. So therefore hands-on healing are not so beneficial. And therefore in a lot of the classes my focus is not so the hands-on healing because the more we have this direct experience as Mika Sui called it so beautiful the great bright light or in other words if I would translate that no anger no worry being grateful being true to your way and your being and being compassionate that is actually the most important element for hands-on healing. So if we understand that and have more direct experience of that, then we can also start to see that our hands-on healing is changing. It has to change again. Yeah. And I want to point out that because you start out the book. I mean, the way it's laid out is so systematic. It's, again, it's perfect. Um, because you start with just, let's just talk about Reiki. Let's just break down, not just the word, but what it is, it is pointing to. So yeah. I wanted to ask you about that, um, you know, looking at the, and I love, love, love the way that you describe and help us understand the translation of the kanji for Reiki as well, and how that points to what the system is really about and what it was trying to direct us towards. So could you talk a little bit about that for people that, you know, we just may not know, like, what is Reiki really about? And what is it pointing to? And could you talk about how the symbol itself, the kanji itself, really points to this? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, to be able to start a practice, we need to know where it's pointing to, right? right. It's the same if I want to go to the gym, I go there because maybe I want to improve my muscle structure. Or if I go to a restaurant, I go there to eat. So I have an idea why I'm going there. I, I'm not going to the restaurant to do fitness, right? <laughs> so therefore, the first point of call is as we start to walk the path of the system of Reiki to know where it's leading to, or what I call the address, right? If I have to visit you, um, then I need to know the address. I need to know where I'm going to, and then I can plan my route on how to get there, hopefully as fast as possible. And why? Because I don't know, maybe I die in the meantime, and I still want to see you before I'm dying. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So therefore, um, when we look at what Mikasu is pointing to, again, we can simply look at the precept. So no anger, that we can lead a life with no anger, that we can lead a life with no worry. Now, some people say, yeah, but worry and anger is, is about being human. No, the word human means humane. Humane means being kind and compassionate. We can also see this in the precepts. So therefore, 
when we realize no anger, no worry, it goes really deep, actually. And that's what I'm trying to point out in the book as well. Then slowly we can start to feel more grateful, grateful for life, not just for the good things, but also for the shitty things, what happens. Mm -hmm. And then slowly we can be more true to our way in our being because we have less anger, less worry, less fear. And in one moment, we can really feel that compassion. And I know a lot of people say, oh, but I'm compassionate already. Yeah, but that is compassion what changes according to circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. One moment is there, the next moment is not, right? But actually what Mikasui is talking about is a compassion what is not changed according to circumstances. So if we take this in a deeper way, then he's really describing within the precepts your true self, your essence, your true nature, your great bright light, Buddhahood, Christ energy, whatever you call it, it doesn't matter. Don't get caught up in the labels. Or in other words, it's enlightenment, right? And it's not some lofty call. It's really something what Mikasu also point out, what we are already right now, right now, beyond all these layers of confusion and compassion, that bright light is already shining. Like today, I'm in Harlem, Holland, close to Amsterdam, and it's pretty cloudy. I live on the 11th floor. I only see clouds. And I might say, the sun is not shining. But that's not true, right? It's just a very relative idea. Of course, the sun is still there, right? It's right there right now at this moment in time. So even if we don't realize that we are this bright light of love and compassion. What doesn't change according to circumstances, right now it's obscured by these clouds, clouds of anger, clouds of worry, clouds of attachment. As you say, oh, we want to heal this person and they need to be healed, all of this shit. Then we focus too much on these clouds and we can't rediscover what we truly are. So the, the system of Reiki traditionally and as you said, we can clearly see this in the kanji of Reiki. And my teacher in Japan, for example, he says Reiki means Buddhahood or Kami. And it stands for your own true nature. And very clearly, if we look from the old way of the system of Reiki or the kanji of Reiki, we can clearly see how that points out. And that, for example, the first kanji, a shaman praying for rain. I love it. And it's not the wet rain. No, it's universal rain. And it helps us to realize that we're touching the universe 24 hours a day, right? But normally we say, okay, oh, now I'm, now I'm doing Reiki. Now I'm not, right? Now it's on. Now it's off. We cannot say now I'm in the universe and I'm outside of the universe. <laughs> it's impossible. We are touching and being touched and interconnected with the universe 24 hours a day. And therefore, there's a possibility for healing to happen 24 hours a day. This is really what I'm trying to teach people. It's not some magical thing out there. It's really right here, right in your own pocket, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, I just got so excited. Like I was back in class with you. <laughs> but so two things come up. That was one of the things that really struck me. And you actually talk about it in the book, The Arrow. And yeah. as knowing and having an awareness of what Reiki is pointing us towards and what the destination is, so to speak. But you spoke about this arrow in class as well. And it really, I mean, it just, it struck me. And 
Um, it, it just, it made so much sense. But then it, hearing what you're saying again right now, it puts emphasis on, again, how there may be confusion around, we, yes, you may have your leg hurts one day, and so you may do hands-on, because it really will, like, it has, you know, the potential to alleviate the pain, and all of the things, it's a beautiful thing, but just this idea, or this understanding that if I back up away from just putting focus on the physical, and I start to recognize the relationship to mind and the nature of my mind mm -hmm. and how the nature of my mind is then feeding into the nature of my body and my being and my way of being, it all just comes right back to mind. So with that, again, like you really highlight how the precepts, the symbols, the meditation practices that we learn in Reiki, all of you highlight all of it. And I just want to say for people who may not have learned these things in their classes, even the specific meditations, you do outline all of these practices within the book. But if I am hearing this and then I go like, oh, my God, well, Franz, I, I, I don't know how to be in relationship with my mind. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> what is the point of this? So I sit in meditation and then. You know, it's, I, I think a lot of times we want to know, like, what's the result, right? What what would be the benefit of me coming into awareness or relationship of what we may call right mind or learning to direct my mind in and coming into the Hara? Why? Yeah. Why would this be at the foundation of all spiritual practices, really? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just uh, preparing, I'm doing a 21-day online thing about the Hara, and I'm just uh, prepare, was preparing today before the interview, oh. and I was looking also at different traditions, they all talk about the navel, or the Hara, or the Dantian, it, it's, it's just, all these traditions talk about the same thing, going in yeah. your body, being grounded and centered, and then there's lots of hidden layers to that, Um ultimately it's the gateway to non-duality and you know so uh yeah i mean is for me the system of reiki is is a life you know it's your life how you lead a life without anger and worry with compassion uh and that in in itself creates a better family a better society a better world and i think this is really what is needed and and I like what you say too that the mind, how the mind and the body are related to each other. So often there's such a disconnection between our mind and our body, right? Mm -hmm. Even for example, I might I my body is right here, but my mind is often in the past, or my mind is often in the future, mm -hmm. or my mind is completely caught up in the present moment trying to analyze something and therefore that mind body harmony is not happening and therefore i think we get a lot of illnesses a lot of sickness a lot of distraction uh people you know if we're so distracted our body might fall over and we go like what, what just happened here oh i didn't see this wall or i didn't see these roots of the tree because my mind was completely somewhere else right and then accidents happen so it's, uh, for me, it's very important that we learn how the mind and the body are interconnected. And then on a very deep level, really, we have to ask ourselves, right? 
how do we perceive the body is really true to mm. mind, right? Yeah. Because if there's no mind, then we cannot perceive the body very easily to check, ask a dead person right. if they perceive their body. They can't because they can't right. even see. Why? Because the mind has left the body. Yeah. So it's, it's very easy to check. Yeah. yeah. And it's an interesting thing too, because um, I think, again, this may be maybe mind blowing for some people who are already practitioners, really thinking like, wow, there's so much attention on mind that maybe I hadn't considered. But one of the things about it, I think that um, really excites me or not, it fascinates me. And it, it, it actually made me more curious about the practice. And again, was thankful to come across your teachings to help me understand what it was I was experiencing. But if I, if you tell someone just like, oh, you know, direct the mind in, and that's where like the real understanding comes from. And this is how we come to the state of being free from anger, being free from worry. It sounds a little crazy given our life experience, right? But then if you start the practice, let's just say you say, okay, it's possible. Maybe Franz is onto something, yeah? And I start directing my mind in the way, even in the moment that the body starts to calm. Yeah. And all of a sudden I realize, wow, I was carrying a lot of tension in my shoulders and now that's starting to fall away. And then all the things that felt like stress and worry and tension, they just start to dissolve simply because I've taken my mind out of what you say, like being in my past, my future, all over the place. And I just let it come down and sit in. And so I wanted to talk to you about that too. Like when the mind comes into the hotter and the mind comes into the space, it's making me think of asking you about in the kanji with the steam and the rice and like what's yeah. going on. Could you talk a little bit about like, really like how this impacts us? It's not, do uh, you know what I mean? Like just so people understand in a more like clear way, the impact of allowing the mind to settle. I mean, I, I think this is uh, on a very, very deep level. We can see this in old yogic practices from five, 6,000 years ago yeah. when we concentrate on this area below the navel, uh, really facilitating this calmness, this rest, what, as you say, then has a really major effect on your own physical body. And of course, you know, I would say, don't believe me, go, but go and practice. I mean, I can have a cookie here and I can say this cookie is the best cookie ever, but if you don't eat it and you don't investigate, then we don't know. Right. So therefore, uh, yeah, I think as what you do, you come to these classes or retreats, then we can really feel it, you know, when we can really feel it and sense it and due to certain exercises and experiences, we might be even able to see it or sense it. Then it starts to make so much sense within ourselves, And then we say, oh, I want that too. How can I be like that? How can I be more in the flow, more settled, less distracted, less fear and these worries? But again, to be able to do this, we have to practice in the right way. You know, and I think this is for me in the book as well. I try to point people in the right way. Uh, I'm not saying that there is a wrong way, but yeah. there is definitely a right way, you know, and it's the same if I go to the gym, I can practice in the right way 
if I start with 10 Ks and the next day I've injured my body, not so good. I need to practice in the right way. It's the same when I cook a meal. I need to do it in the right way. I cannot just grab all the ingredients together and chuck it in a pot and hopefully something appears out of that. Magically, a cake appears. It's not going to work like that. So it's the same within the system of Reiki. We have to apply it in the right way. And when we apply it, apply it in the right way, we also get the right result. And mm -hmm. from all of these ancient traditions, bringing the mind and therefore the energy into that area of your hara, and then that can enter your central channel, that is when we start to have very, very direct experience in a very stable way of great bright light, or in other words, a non-duality, interconnectedness, oneness, etc. Yeah, and then from there, that's where it loops back in, because, you know, I don't want people to be confused as if you're saying hands-on is just out of the system, but from this state of being like you mentioned earlier then the hands-on is a totally different experience and expression and so uh, better to then be in a state of right mind to allow a different expression of like the great bright light just and then the laying of hands is just a way of again directing the mind like our mind is then directed towards where the hands um, may lay. But you're making me think of this too. I have to um, say this about you, which obviously is a result of your practice. I talk about and I share with people a lot of times, um, it was either at the beginning of doing this work or just before. But I met this woman who was a bodhisattva. And I didn't know what that was. I just came across her because she wrote a book and I thought it'd be interesting to go to the book signing. I don't even know what would have compelled me to go. I never even heard of a bodhisattva, right? So I go to this book signing and there's this line wrapped around the block. I mean, it was unbelievable. But as my friend and I got closer to the door, I started feeling something and I, I didn't know. And I'm asking my friend, like, do you feel that? And my friend is like, what are you talking about, right? So I get in front of this woman and I'm telling you, Franz, the energy was palpable. I know you, I'm sure you've experienced this, right? And so I'm looking at her like kind of like a little puppy, like, what are you, right? Like I could just feel this energy coming from this woman, but I didn't know what it was. So fast forward, I started practicing Reiki, hindsight. I'm like, wow, that lady was really emanating the great bright light. But it is the same experience with being around you. And the reason I wanted to point this out is for people practicing understanding as well. It does. It goes so far beyond just hands on. Yeah. It's this emanation of true nature or what we call great bright light. If we do these practices, it's expressing from all aspects of your being. Absolutely. And so then it's like to the point of what you said earlier, then the healing is always happening. The the work is always happening. And yeah. so I wanted to ask, because you genuinely can feel that emanating from you. <laughs> genuinely, you can. How has that changed you, though, from the inside out? Like, if you look at Franz hindsight, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> what has changed in your mind or in your being that has allowed 
this expression to just, you know, become more strong? Uh, well, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, for me, if, if I if I want to word it, I it's a bit tricky because then I feel sometimes then sounds a little bit an ego trip, etc. But for me, it's uh, definitely true. The practice is letting go of a lot of labels we put on ourselves, and the more we put these labels on our on that great bright light. Um, you know, I, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a Reiki teacher, I'm a, I'm a master, yeah. I'm not good, I can't do this, all of these labels, when we drop those, then that light will emanate all by itself, actually, we don't have to do anything. And um, so yeah, I can really feel this within myself, too, if I'm really honest, you yeah. know, and it's that, uh the more we practice, therefore, we start to feel more and more light, not just that we, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about light, seeing a physical light. We yeah. feel lighter in a way, in our being, in our essence. We don't feel so happy. We're not constantly saying, oh, man, life is hard. Life is heavy. I'm carrying the world on my shoulders. You feel so light. It almost you feel light maybe that you at the feeling you could float through the air and yet Yet, at the same time, you feel super, super grounded, right? You mm -hmm. feel super centered. And yet, at the moment, you feel also, at the same time, very wide open. Maybe what, like in yoga traditions, they call it inner bliss, inner joy. That, And then when we can feel this inner joy, inner bliss, that nurtures all your cells, all your meridians, all your muscles, whatever, to feel very vibrant, you know, so we feel become more vibrant in life and therefore more compassionate because we start to be more open-minded instead of narrow-minded. Right. And therefore, that compassion can really start to come forward more and more and more, a genuine compassion. And what I mean by that also is a genuine compassion, uh, what is not coming from the I. I hear a lot of people, they say, oh, but I am very compassionate. And that's not really. That's a compassion what comes from the ego, I. Oh, look at me. I, I'm I'm being really kind. I'm being kind to people and animals and this and that. No, that is not kindness. The, the true compassion has no reference point. It's wide open, not even a center. It's just happening spontaneously within you. And this, again, is really what Mikasui is pointing out very, very clearly in his teachings. Only if we look in the right place, right? If we really investigate, we can start to clearly see this. And again, that is yeah, one of the reasons uh, I started to write this book, The Way of Reiki, the Inner Teachings of yeah. Mikasui, to really point this out. Yeah, and that's the thing. So with a book, you start out like handing us the arrow, right? Because you really yeah. break down again, you start out with what Reiki is and what it is that, um, the the practices are pointing to but then you even get into again like the detail of breaking down to help us really understand the practices themselves the precepts the symbols what hands-on is even about even raise you or what many call the attunement I mean like you really <laughs> you give us all the arrows Franz and then 
you help us to understand this is a way to apply all of this to help you start to reveal and recognize more, recognize more of the true nature that just is, that, that exists. The other thing I love about this book is that you even then help us to understand what the arrow is pointing to even just in the different levels. So, you know, level one, level two, level three, Shodan, Okiden, Shimpenden, yes? And what really strikes me about this too is I think it's good for us to know as practitioners, I mentioned in the beginning why, you know, I will always come when you come to Los Angeles because I think it's important. But there's also this thing of, we take stuff in and we think we're supposed to just know, like, oh, I already did level one. I'm a master level yeah. now. Oh, okay. But if I have applied the practices and then I go back to my teacher, even though I've done Shimpenden, God knows how many times, right? I can come with you and sit and do level one and have a totally different understanding. Absolutely. Completely, oh, like my mind could just be blown as if I knew nothing at all. And so one of the gifts of you as a teacher as well is you talk a lot about remaining like a student or you're neither the student or the teacher. Like you just, you just always be open to learn, to investigate, to explore, but never put yourself in this box of the all knowing, like the Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah. I think this is a mistake. Yeah. I think this is a mistake we make in lots of many traditions, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we become a teacher or a practitioner and we say, this is how it should be. And we stick it in a box. We, we trademark even our name, you know, and then we trademark our practices and then we trademark how we see it. And then suddenly we feel tied up. We feel tied up in our own teachings and our own organizations. And then when we tied up, we become more and more narrow-minded, right? And therefore, it's uh, very important as teachers and practitioners to make sure that don't tie yourself up, you know, don't become narrow-minded and say, this is my thing, is the bad, blah, blah, blah. But open your mind, be very, very open, because ultimately this great bright light, right, of compassion and wisdom or however we call it, it has no label. It has no name. It has. It, it is not Tibetan or Japanese or Chinese or Dutch or American. These are labels we've put on it. It's not called Reiki. It's not called Tai Chi. It's not called yoga. These are labels for convenience sake we have put on it. Right. But when we let that go, we say it's label free. It's completely wide open. And therefore, it's freedom. It's completely, utterly freedom. Yeah. I I love that you say that because I think too, in our minds, then just the way that we process things, as you say, with the labels, and even I think sometimes like, I don't know, but we we will, we'll box things in of like, this is Reiki, and then we covet it, like, I, it's mine. Mine, (laughs) mine. My mine, and I got the good Reiki, I got the true Reiki, I got the you know, like the most powerful Reiki, all kinds of all the things, right? But then when you let it fall away and recognize it's not something that we can own and it's not something that you can make better than or less than or it just, it is. And it it is this life force, this intelligence that permeates all living things. Like none of us can 
own it, so to speak, but rather just recognize that it is. <laughs> I can't remember a word for it, but it just that it is. And so we have this beautiful system that really points that out. So in the book, um, as I mentioned, you do go into even the aspect of you end it with how we can teach and even how we share. And I want to ask this because I'm sure people are curious. Before we get to the teaching aspect, what does your practice look like? Like, you know, I'm sure people are thinking like, okay, Fran, so do I meditate every morning? Like, what do I do? But can you also talk about how it's not just like uh, when you're sitting in meditation, the expression of your practice? Yeah, for me, uh, of course, you know, there there is a general sitting down practice. Yeah. Uh, but over time, we come to realize that is not just a body. Like I, I can sit in a beautiful lotus position and look all Zen. And then we say, oh, look, France is meditating. While actually France's mind is thinking about <laughs> going to a cocktail bar and whatever. So France is not really meditating. We only see the outer shell of it, you know? So we, you know, now we see a person we, they do an asana, or they do a body posture. And say, oh, they, they're practicing yoga. No, the, the mind might be really all over the place. And so the, there's no yogi mind involved, right? So the mind, ultimately, we have to make sure that during the day, actually, ultimately, 24 hours a day, also in our sleep state, that is the hardest part. Uh, if we cannot control it during the day, don't think you can control it in your sleep state. So um, that during the day, we can maintain that equi equilibrium. I always have difficulty with that word, that really nice, quiet, open state. So we might be dancing, we might be cracking jokes, we might be jumping up and down. And but at the same time, our mind might be in that meditation state. And this is really difficult for people to understand, you know, is is really tricky because again, when we think about meditation now, it has mainly become almost like a body posture. And it's the same with the system of Reiki, you know, you put your hands here and it's become a body posture. It's the same with yoga. It's become a body posture. Same with Tai Chi, it's become a body posture. And often we forget completely the state of mind. Body is very important because it's linked to the mind, as you said before. So, yeah, really integrating is this is what I try to do as much as possible. This morning, I went to a cafe with my neighbor. We had a new little cafe just two minutes from my house. He said, Franz, come and investigate. So we go there. <clears throat> I wait for my coffee. And at the same time, I try as much as possible to drop into that wide open space mm -hmm. of no anger, no worry, being grateful, being true to my way, being compassionate. Maybe the waitress dropped the coffee. Who cares? Stay in that wide open space. Maybe your coffee is cold. Stay in that wide open space. Then we can really integrate it. And the more we integrate it into our daily life, this is again what Mika Sui pointed out today, right? He didn't say when you sit down. No, today in all we do, the more we integrate it into our daily life, the better it gets. The more we practice yeah we practice daily life that's it yeah i know i love that because i think it also will help people you know like plant that seed of it's not just when you're in a session or it's not that's as it. you said before it's not like reiki on reiki off right 
but we can yeah. always be in the expression of our practice and always having that mindfulness. And I always think of it as my sitting practice or in my, um, yeah, my sitting practice when I'm alone and I'm not interacting with the world. It's kind of like my training wheels of sorts. Yes. And I do, I, and the more that you do sit with yourself in that state of um, just allowing the mind to not be attached to all the things, you become very hyper aware of when that occurs. So again, that state of mind brings me into relationship with body where if I'm interacting, I recognize when my body is signaling and telling me like your mind is about to go haywire or <laughs> the mind is starting to, and I do, and I can just in the moment because of practice, come right back down, settle my mind. So then it also leads to that expression of compassion. It can lead to that expression of being more mindful and all of the things and your books, all of your books really, I mean, have supported me in that understanding and um, having that encouragement to go deeper into these practices. But this book, and this is the thing too, it's so funny, like I've read your books, I've been to your classes and then yeah. you put it in writing. And it again, it just brings you deeper into, oh, okay, here's another, yeah. I, okay, it's clicking now, it's clicking now. So I really do... Um, genuinely it's one of those things where you think like I hope all practitioners really read this book the way of Reiki the inner teachings of Mikhail Yusui and but take it in you know like don't just read it as like a thing of study or information now I know I know what Franz said and now I can regurgitate it but genuinely practice it <laughs> try it this is it yeah. <laughs> see what happens you know so I have to ask you, um, before we start wrapping up, one of the things I promised someone I would ask, they had planned to come and study with you in Canada, right, uh, in 2020, and you know, all the things happened. So they wanted to know if you have any plans of coming back to Canada, and when that may be. <laughs> Uh, Canada, not next year, maybe the year after. I don't know. It's okay. it's hard to juggle worldwide teaching yeah. and traveling because yeah, I, I teach in Japan next year, in Italy, in France, in Germany, in Holland, in England, in hopefully in Portugal. There's probably some places I miss. America. Uh, oh, so whew. I was gonna say, wait, so, wait, what about yeah, us? No, I know. Uh, so <laughs> already planned is uh, yeah. New York, uh, Cincinnati, and Chicago for next year. Okay. So yeah, it's uh, it's hard to uh, maybe one day to practice. I can manifest at different places at the same time. <laughs> that I would know, be good. I know. I know. I know. It it really blows my mind. Like just watching the way you bop around and you're everywhere, but thank goodness you are because it's so helpful for all of us. But with that, I wanted to ask you about the online um, events that people can connect with you with and who is it open to? I mean, it's not just for your students per se, but who can come to like the 21 day meditation challenge and what else do you offer online? Actually, there is a nine-hour video teaching about the book, The Way of Reiki. So, uh, yeah, I really like that. It it talks about lots of different things. So that is available for everybody who wants to. You don't have, even have to read a book. You can just access that. 
Uh, but yeah, the 21 days, I really like. I started to do that during COVID. And it's really um, you're helping people to have a daily practice, but also deepen their practice. So sometimes the 21 days about hands-on healing, the upcoming one, for example, is about being centered in your body, about the Hara or the Dantian, Tandon, whatever we might call it. Again, these are just words. Uh, sometimes we get so distracted by these words. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they're open for everybody, no matter if you've been practicing the system of Reiki or not. And then there's lots of uh, online video teachings uh, on our website as well, so which you can download. Yes, and that's at ihreiki.com, which stands for that's International it. House of Reiki. So ihreiki.com. Of course, I'll put it in the show description. But you kind of glazed over this, sir. Could you please tell me about this nine-day <laughs> online class that goes with the book? So is it that in that um, online nine-day event is it something that we get access to and can go at our own pace and it's just guiding us through the practices in the book it's a nine-hour video yeah so oh, it's nine a nine-hour hour video teaching what is a, a compendium for the book okay and it's already available as well so it's uh yeah well we talk about a lot of these aspects within the book and also uh, show you how to do these specific meditations some more inner layers of course about it we practice some of the other tools symbols and mantras so uh, of course best is to learn in person i always say but it's a good preparation for learning in person yeah i can yeah. give you a hug like this and say hey yolanda a nice hug but when i saw you in person and give you a hug is very different right yes yes yeah, yeah no absolutely you made me think of too and i wish we would have had more time maybe one day you can come and talk to us about um sound and, or the aspect of speech, because you do teach us in class and you talk about, you even mentioned in the book about mind, body, and speech. But one of the things I love, I always look forward to, especially in Reiki Play Day, is your chanting. Let me tell you something. That is literally my favorite part of class, where you have us all chant together, but then you usually end with, you know, at some point there's just you chanting and I can't, I can't even describe like the way that it feels and you can tell that your mind is centered. I mean, it yeah. sounds like so like guttural and steady the way that the chanting comes out of you. And I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the experience of it, what it feels like. Mm. to like sit in that you know and again even when we're all doing it together as a class so just like really quickly could you talk about why that's such an important part of the class or why you include it because I absolutely love it well as you say you know for me hopefully uh when I do the chanting from the right state of mind and body then hopefully that can trigger a very direct experience in the yeah. participant of maybe their great bright light, maybe they feel cracked open. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like a, a sword. When my teacher chants, it feels like a sword, like he's cutting trade through my own bullshit. Yeah. And of course, it's not him doing it. I, I'm allowing that. And I it's more a facilitation. So I think if we practice like that in the correct way, it's the same when we really listen to 
like for example, someone who's been playing a music instrument for many, many, many years. And as soon as they hit a note, it might touch something very, very deep in us. Why? Because mm -hmm. they, they're so wide open. They don't see the music, the violin, the audience as something separate. So when we can start to interact in that way with people, with ourselves, with everything around us, it, that luminosity of the practice of true this chanting, for example, can be a big trigger for ourselves as the chanter, but also of the person who is hearing it. And that's one of the reasons I do it in class. Yeah, it's one of, I, I must say, I do enjoy uh, chanting. When I first started off many, many years ago, I was very like, what the hell is this? But now, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, I, I can't even word it, you know, yeah. it's whatever word I put on it, it's not it. And this is yeah. uh, when I hear my teacher chant or when I would hear my Taoist teacher do some chanting in the past when she was still alive. Man, as you said, you know, when you met this lady, so I've been fortunate to really meet some of these uh, people. Uh, I met a couple of people in Japan who were seen as uh, living Buddhas you realize that we're just scratching the surface and why would we made of the same stuff? They're not something special. Yeah. And so therefore we can have exactly direct experiences. They have what will only make a better world. And this is so needed these days, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to see it or witness it um, yeah. along with having a direct experience, because even that, that meeting of that uh, bodhisattva, I, I, it was so many years ago. And again, even though I had no idea what that was, it always stuck with me. And it stays with me as that, you know, potential of like, wow, I could actually realize <laughs> my true nature in such a way that really, truly, like, I'm always just emanating from that space. And it's very encouraging to know that, you know, that potential like lies within all of us but I have to thank you um not just for coming to share with everyone I love being able to have these conversations with you because you know um I know how impactful your work has been in my life how thankful I am to have you as a teacher but for others to know as well and like we have access because you write the books <laughs> you provide all the teachings so everyone can get this book the way of reiki um i know it's available on amazon i'll put the links down in the show description for that but i thank you like with my entire heart for coming to have this conversation which reminds me um we also had a conversation during the reiki rays healing summit and that's coming up as well so we have a whole other chat. And I think that was like right after I first read the book. So God knows what we said. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like everyone check that out too. But friends, thank you so much for coming today. And I hope to see you again soon. Definitely next year in Los Angeles. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me. And thank you for asking such a great question. So I always love it. Perfect. Oh, you make it easy. <laughs> See you soon. Thank you, everyone.
Okay, beautiful alchemist. I just want to say a very special thank you again to Franz. Thank you, Franz, for your work. Thank you for your diligence and your practice and being such an inspiration on this path. For all of you, the book again is called The Way of Reiki, The Inner Teachings of Mikhail Yasui, available now on Amazon. The link to purchase the book is down in the description below. And if you want to join Franz in his classes, his online events, go to his website, ihreiki.com. Don't forget that you can catch Franz and I, as well as Nicholas Pearson, who was on um, last week, and some other phenomenal uh, Reiki practitioners and teachers at the Reiki Rays Healing Summit, which starts on the 11th. So go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com, click on the link for the summit and get your ticket or register. Just make sure you join so that you can um, access some or all of the content. It'll be really supportive on your path. I also want to remind you, if you are someone who has the Energetic Alchemist Oracle deck, my Oracle deck, which I am so excited about. Um, I work with the cards personally every day. I was going to reach for them, but they're not next to me. But I work with the cards every day. And it really is like an honor for me to share with people what has supported me on my path. And in fact, I created and offered a free class to go with the deck for those of you who have the deck. So if you have the deck and you want to access the class, be sure to go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com and go to the page for the Oracle cards and you will see your access to the free class there. And if you wanna go deeper into relationship with not just Oracle, but learning how to use the cards for coaching, holding sessions, holding space, but even just to improve overall communication and how the cards really support us as teachers to help us see beyond our own blind spots and to see in a higher way, then you can join my upcoming classes. Alchemy of the Oracle has limited space. So if you want to join me for that, be sure to register right away because the Oracle boxes will be going out soon. So I thank you all for being here. Thank you for being part of the Reiki Radio community. If there's anything you would like to hear on the show, if you have suggestions, be sure to email me and you can reach me through my website. So that is all for now, beautiful loves. Have a beautiful day and remember to always journey in love. <laughs>